This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 30th, 2014. Christmas cravings, we crave hope. Yeah! Yeah! Boy, those cravings come in all shapes and sizes and, and speeds, too, don't they? Yeah. Go, well, good morning, wow. Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today, for laughter, for fun, for worship, for gathering together. And it's all because of you, Lord. Thank you for your love, for your grace, and for the hope that you give each one of us. Empty us out right now so that we could be filled by your spirit, that we would be changed and transformed by your love. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. 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 So cravings, you know, um, these desires that just consume us, these yearnings. Then we have those Christmas cravings, you know. Sometimes it's what we're hoping for, like that, that boat there at the end, and sometimes it's other things like those seasonal goodies, like uh, some of the kids were talking about there. Um, you know, oftentimes those things begin in childhood, and we just carry them with us through adulthood. Like, I love dressing or stuffing and gravy. I just got to tell you, when I was a kid, I had to have the turkey. You know, I mean, that was a requirement, but that was secondary. It was, and it hadn't changed. It hadn't changed a bit. And, and my mother used to make these cookies called Toll House Marble Squares. Anybody know what they are? Oh my God. She used to freeze them. I'd take them out. I couldn't wait for them to thaw, so I'd eat them frozen. And so that's how I eat them now usually because that's what I'm used to. They, they are the best. I, I can't remember when I started either of those, but boy, they're continuing right to, well, Thanksgiving. <laughs> right through correct. Christmas. Yeah, there we go. So my cravings are when our family gets together and we have those special moments during the holidays. I love at Christmas time when we have all the stockings, you know, all the stockings. There's like 14 stockings. I just, I love hanging them up and looking at them and just our times together. But our cravings go far beyond and deeper than traditions and deeper than tastes and smells and sights and sounds. Cravings that we have go way, way down into our soul, into our cells. Those are the cravings we have, and those are the cravings that we'll focus on this Advent season. Advent, a time set aside for preparation for the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today we start with our first Christmas craving that's way, way deep down in our soul. Any guesses what we crave? Hope. I don't think that was really a guess. I think they just read it. I'm just, I'm just saying. They could be sleeping. I'm just so. saying. Um, yeah. Hope. Um, from a Christian perspective, it's the desire and search for future good. Difficult at times, but not impossible with God's help. Amen? Amen. Hope. In the New International Version of Scripture, we shorten that to call it the NIV, we find that word hope 180 times, 
fairly evenly distributed between the Old and New Testament. Um, here's the interesting thing, was we don't see that word hope appear in the Bible until the eighth book of the Bible, the book of Ruth. That's interesting, isn't it? Nothing before the eighth book. Now, the, find it most often, the book most often contains the word hope is the book of Psalms. A lot of those, most of those are written by David, so obviously David's a pretty hopeful guy. You know, he always turned to the Lord for his hope. For example, Psalm 39. Psalm 39, beginning uh, verses 6 through 8. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth, without knowing the, whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? Say this next sentence with me. My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. Mm. So, so David sees everybody around him putting their hope in material things. Well, that hasn't changed much in uh, uh, several thousand years, has it? Wow. But, but David tells us that he puts his hope in the Lord. God the Father, he, he looked to God to save him from his, there's that churchy word, transgressions, his, his wrongdoing, his, his sins, sins of action, sins of inaction. And so David looked to God to be his Savior. It's frequently the theme of hope in the Old Testament. In another Old Testament book, the book of Job, we see this word hope mentioned 18 times. It's the second most hopeful book in scripture, which is really interesting, because this main character, Job, who was a righteous man, in the course of, I think it's the first chapter, maybe the first two, he basically loses everything, his family, all his possessions, and he was a wealthy guy. At times, it's challenging for him to find hope in the midst of his pain and his loss. And yet, in the end, he comes to realize that his only hope and that's true for us as well. Our only hope is in the Lord God. From the time that Adam and Eve made bad choices in the Garden of Eden, you know, that time of the fall of humankind, we have realized that we are separated from God and that we are in need of help and we are in need of hope. Different people have looked at different, in different places for salvation, for hope. At times they've looked at things in nature, you know, worshiping in the moon or the stars or plants or animals or other objects. Other times they've created this, this thing themselves to worship, often out of gold, the most treasured uh, metal things that they could look on to worship to, to pray to. We see this in the book of Exodus, where the people, the Hebrew people, demanded that the leader melt down their gold and create a golden calf so that they could worship a golden calf. I mean, that just seems like, what in the world were they thinking? But isn't that true today? We, too worship golden calves. We too worship things or people or position over the Most High God, the Savior of the world. 
Too often we put our hope in everything other than Jesus. Mm. And so here's a question for you. What about you? What or, or who do you worship? And you think, duh, Alan, we're in church. What do you want? Well, that's not a guarantee of what we might be worshiping. Where does your hope come from? From position, possession? From who you are and what you own? Uh, or like David and Job, does it, does it, your hope come from the Lord? Do you look to the God to bring your hope in the midst of the storms of life? And there are plenty of storms in life, amen? amen. Is prayer your comfort when those challenges confront you? So God knew we were a desperate people. We were a lost people, looking here and there, everywhere but to God for help. And so God got down to business, and it's a point where he began sharing with God's people through the prophets, those people who were mouthpieces for God, to share the word, often not the comfortable word, but to share the word of God. And God shared through the prophets that he was going to send someone, that someone would lead God's people to bring righteousness and justice. Don't we just crave that? righteousness and justice who would reign on david's throne mm. and we find this in isaiah 9 6 through 7 you might be familiar with it handel put this uh, put music to these words in a, a well-known christmas piece called the messiah for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father say it with me Prince, Prince of, of peace. peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Wow, wow, wow. So Isaiah was one of God's prophets, and God used Isaiah to paint the picture of the future leader. The government will be on his shoulders, Isaiah says, and with no end to the greatness or to peace. He will reign on David's throne. Justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Say forever. I mean, just to think of that gives hope, doesn't it? Just to ponder that. What a wonderful vision of the future Isaiah paints. After this prophetic word, it is no wonder that the Hebrews began to hope for, look forward to, to expect a future king who would be on David's throne. Now, in those days, kings were anointed, Anointed with oil is an outward and visible sign of, of their call to leadership by God. And so this future hoped-for king would, who would come would be called the anointed one. Or in Hebrew, the name for that is Messiah. Now the New Testament was written in Greek, and so the word used for that is Christos. 
in English, Christ, or anointed one. Two chapters later, chapter 11, Isaiah expands on this future hope of Israel. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will, lie with, will, will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the yearling together, say the rest, and a little child mm. will lead them. Mm. You ever seen the picture of the peaceable kingdom? That's, that's where it comes from, yeah. Back to the beginning of this passage. Jesse, it mentions. Jesse was King David's father. Now by, by the time of Isaiah writing this passage, Israel is no longer even a, even a shred of what it was under King David. It, it's basically just a stump of its former self. But from the stump, from the house of David, the house of Jesse, a new branch will grow and will bear fruit. And that branch is Jesus Christ. Again, the people are told that the future hope of Israel, the future hope of their world, would come from the family of King David. From the stump of Jesse came a new branch, Jesus. From the stumps of our lives, the stumps of our lives, those areas that we thought were dead, maybe a relationship, an opportunity, could be forgiveness, it could be an addiction. I know what it is for me. If you think about it, you may know what it is for you. From those stumps in our lives, it is Jesus Christ who reminds us that the stump still has some life, that something can come out of it, that fruit can come, that it's not all dead and gone, but out of the stump comes new life, new fruit, and it's only thanks to the one who brings that in our lives, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Isaiah, in this passage, also shares how the Spirit of the Lord will be upon this shoot of Jesse, how he will not judge by what he sees and hears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. How what are normally enemies, like the wolf and the lamb, the, the leopard and the goat, uh, calf and the lion and the yearling, will be at peace. Can you just picture that? They'll be at peace when this future king is on the throne. You know, it's that peace that Isaiah talked about in the previous passage we quoted. It's that peace we talk about all the time that Paul in the New Testament talks about, that peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that, when I, when I read it, I thought, what's an example? And I thought of, of something I'd read about, or maybe I'd seen on TV or something, but I read about 
and it just boggled my mind because it was beyond what I think I'd be capable of, but with God, all things are possible. It's that peace that allows a mother or a, a, a mother and father, a couple, a married couple, to adopt the young man who killed their son. Wow. That's, that's some peace that goes beyond all understanding. It's, it's the peace that allows a child to forgive a parent when that parent neglected that child. It's a, it's a peace that allows a war veteran to let go of the nightmares that haunt her. It's that peace that allowed Jesus, while he was hanging on the cross, suffering and suffocating, to say to God the Father in heaven, forgive them, meaning the people who hung me on this cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. That kind of peace, that's something to hope for, isn't it? Something to hope for, to, to look forward to, to long for, to crave, to expect. Over and over and over again, we see that the people in Scripture are given prophetic glimpses, glimpses of a hope of this future king. God even shares through the prophet Micah, Micah, where the future king will be from, and again, his connection to David. We love the way Eugene Peterson translates this, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 to 4 in the message. Yeah, here we go. But you, Bethlehem, David's country, the run of the litter, from you will come the leader who will shepherd rule Israel. He'll be no upstart, no pretender. His family tree is ancient and distinguished. Meanwhile, Israel will be in foster homes until the birth pangs are over and the child is born, and the scattered brothers come back home to the family of Israel. He will stand tall in his shepherd rule by God's strength, centered in the majesty of God revealed. And the people will have a good and safe home, for the whole world will hold him in respect, peacemaker of the world." And so the people of Israel, the, the Hebrews, they were looking for, they were waiting for, they were hoping for, they were craving a king, the anointed one, the Messiah. They knew where he would be born. They, they knew that he would come from the lineage of David through the prophets. They, often, they also knew that he would be unlike any other king. And yet, and yet, they hoped for a king that would free them in an earthly sense, in a political sense, in a military sense, like David freed the people years before. Instead, they were given this prophetic picture of someone who would shepherd rule. Doesn't that sound different than this mighty warrior king who would save them, who would obliterate everybody else around them? But instead a shepherd ruler. And yet, they hoped for a warrior king, one who would lead in the image of King David. Hmm. Isn't it funny, isn't it ironic how God works? How God hears what we want, but God delivers what we need. Yeah. Amen? Amen. <laughs> People wanted a king, 
in the mold of King David, a, a warrior king, a, a king who would restore Israel, who would restore them, the people of Israel, to the mighty nation they once were under King David. Rather than living under the rule of whatever outside power was in charge at the time, they dreamed of the glory days of Israel when David was in charge. And yet that's not the king that God delivers to them. And that's because God knew that what they needed wasn't the rebuilding of a nation as much as they needed a rebuilding of the heart, a rebuilding of the soul, a rebuilding of each person forgiven and restored to be the person God had in mind when God first thought of them. What they needed was a real savior, not, as we shared at the beginning of the message, some golden idol. A real savior who would walk with them, who would talk with them, who would look them in the eye and let them know that God loves them. God in the flesh, forgiving them their sins by giving his very life for them on the cross in order to save theirs. And so what they needed, God delivered. And his name's Jesus. The anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, the hope of the world, the hope we crave. Yeah, that's the hope we crave. So as, as we prepare for Christmas, each one of us, the question becomes this, what kind of king, what kind of leader, what kind of Jesus are you hoping for? What kind of Jesus are you hoping for? What kind of box have we put him in? Gentle and kind? Strong and powerful, loving and forgiving? A Jesus who accepts us? for who we are, flaws and all? How about the Jesus that holds us accountable for those things that we've done wrong or the times that we've strayed? Ouch! A Jesus who loves us, right where we are, but too much to leave us there, because Jesus desperately wants us to move from here to there in a relationship with him. What kind of Jesus are you hoping for? Hmm. You know, hope is a good thing, isn't it? It's a very good thing. It's an important thing. It's, 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 it's a really important part of what it means to be healthy and whole. Because to have hope means to be able to look to the future, to a bright future, to a future that can be better than the past. You ever plant a seed? You've got hope. I, 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 I had uh, hired someone to do a power seeding. My, I usually do it myself, but I hired it out. So I had great hope, especially when you spend money. That's great hope. And I see these little green things coming up. So that hope was, uh, was, uh, came, came forth, right? Anytime you plant a seed, you have hope. Whether it's a, a seed in the ground like I planted or a seed of an idea or maybe a seed that brings forth new life like our new little granddaughter there. Yeah. With every seed, there is hope. And hope is a healthy and good thing. To not have hope means hopeless 
hopelessness. And hopelessness is a horrible place to be. It's a day that looks bad, and then tomorrow looks bad, and then the next day could look worse, and it just gets darker and darker. Hopelessness means that we cannot see the way out, that we're like stuck in this mud and this mire, and we just feel like we're drowning. It's like we're in quicksand. No escape. No new tomorrow. Hopelessness is not a place that we would want for anyone, is it? We were trying to think of where a place in our lives where we were feeling kind of hopeless, and I'm sure there's a little flashing places, little, you know, instances here and there, but it was really hard to think of one for me that was really, really more than just fleeting or just short-lived. And then, then it came to me possibly the one, it's close to 30 years ago now, my, my mother had a stroke. And we went to visit her in Christiana Hospital, not in a room, there was a little day room at the end of the hall there or whatever, and sitting in a wheelchair, and um, this one's vibrant, directing, uh, in-charge woman. She was called the Little General. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, was sitting there in this chair babbling incoherently. And they told us she had this blood clot someplace in the back, base of her skull inside. And, and it might even be, she might not even survive. Wow, that was tough. That's probably one of the closer times to hopelessness feeling. The good news is, she, uh, not long after that, came to live with us after my father passed for five years and was quite coherent <laughs> and quite able to move and quite able to, wasn't quite the little general. Maybe she was just a lieutenant at that point. I became the general. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that blood clot disappeared and it it wasn't magic, and it wasn't chemistry, and it wasn't medicine. It was um, the Lord. The Lord gave us new hope and gave her new hope. Amen. Amen. We crave hope, don't we? We crave hope. We crave the possibilities of the future, of what God has in store, and it's all because of God. That's who we can thank for hope. It's not some boss or this or that. It's all God. That's who we place our hope in. Our hope is in the Lord. And so as we prepare for Christmas, as we prepare for the one that we call hope of the world, we look to the prophet Isaiah who says that this hope will bring justice to the nations. Can you just imagine that? Justice to the nations. Hmm. As we prepare for Christmas, prepare once again for the birth of Jesus. Prepare once again to celebrate this most important day of the, of the year, the most important day in history, I think. 
prepare once again for the Savior of humankind, we crave hope. And, and we crave the hope that Jesus brings. The hope of a better tomorrow. The hope of forgiveness, of, 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 of a better future because we've given up all hope <laughs> of a better past. It's the hope that, that, that Isaiah talked about in those passages we read earlier, a, a hope of a, of a peaceable kingdom where the, 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 those things that were at odds are no longer at odds. It's the ho hope of a place where we're not judged by the color of our skin or by who we know or by where we live or by uh, where we went to school or by what car we drive. It's the hope that we will truly be at peace and in love with one another, in love the way Jesus was in love with us. A hope of a place where, um, where things like happen in Ferguson won't happen. A, 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 a peace where where, where, where it's just good. It's just good. And we know that God loves us, and we're able to share that love of God with each and every one around us so that we truly become that, that kind of sun catcher that you put in the window where the light of Christ shines through us to those we meet. That's the hope that Jesus offers. That's the hope. So we ask you, what, what hope do you crave as you prepare for Christmas this year? What hope do you crave? Let's pray. Most Holy God, As Job found, even in the midst of challenge, in the midst of, uh, of loss, in the midst of all things good and not so good, we, we know that when it's all said and done, our hope is in you, in your son Jesus the Christ, who we, we celebrate as we look toward his birth once again. As we crave various things this Christmas, all the goodies and those fun things we do, we pray that you would guide us as we crave hope for ourselves and those around us, hope for this world that we live in, as we look to what you have to offer, what you promise, that bright, glorious future in you. In Christ and your Holy Spirit, we pray in all connection church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302 378 7692. 
Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.